Hello, everyone. I am Mark L. Vincent. I have the privilege of bringing some direction to the Convene Consulting Network. And as such, I have uh, enjoyed getting to know Helen Mitchell, uh, who watches over a lot of the content, uh, really almost all of the content that Convene teams work through. Uh, just name about any space on the organizational development roadmap from start to finish, soup to nuts. She's watching over that. And she does so with a deep commitment to how faith and life intersect. Uh, she has a, a great history, both in corporate life and then also in higher ed. But let me add to that that she's spent a fair bit of time in the church at a point of intersecting between those who are in business and those who are Christian. And how do you bring that stuff together? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about this faith and life integration. And it's all happening in this really interesting time where people find the way that they had organize their life is getting reorganized because they're working from home. They're not working from home. They're, they're doing things remote. They're, they're just in this new place and they have a chance to think about it again if they choose to treat it as an opportunity. So that's kind of where I'd like to start with you, Helen, and welcome <laughs> to this Thank conversation. You. Uh, you do so much work in this faith and life integration space. space. So how, how do you describe that integration? How, if someone says, well, what exactly is that? What is it? What is a faith and life and work integration? Great question. And let me, let me first tell you what I think it is not, what okay. it has typically been uh, talked about or presented as or thought as, which really ironically leads into further this idea of compartmentalization, right? I've got my faith life, I've got my work life, I've got my church life. And we're saying, how do these things really kind of inform each other? And so if you were actually to do a lot of research and reading and what this looks like, you'll get some great information about theology of work, some of the biblical background and sure. basis for that, which is fantastic. But then when we actually say, well, what does that mean in terms of how do I live that out? What does that mean in terms of actual practice? Mm -hmm. You'll get things like, uh, you know, four ways to integrate your faith into the workplace, uh, you know, three things that you should do, you know, et cetera. But it's a lot of it's focused on um, influencing, say, attitudes and behaviors. It's checklist. It's about, it really focuses on being, you know, good, moral, ethical person. And that is really, I think, so limiting and um, that, that we're still trying to like dance and we're, we're, we're out of step. It's like someone first starting to learn to dance, right? You've got the awkward movements. Okay, step one, two, back three, four, you, you know, mm -hmm. you're counting the moves. And so that's okay that we're starting to have those conversations. But when we're talking about integration, that word integration means it's like, you know, fully integrated, right? It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're baking a cake and, hmm. you know, as Bill Pollard says in, uh, I think, uh, he, you know, can't serve two masters when he talks about diversity, uh, you know, he says a lot of times what we do with diversity is that we'll, you know, diversity isn't putting eggs and flour and sugar on a plate and calling it a cake. You know, the same thing applies is that you don't put, you know, my work and my life and my home and my family and my personal life on a plate and, and call it my life, but rather how do we really integrate it and whip it up together? And if we're followers of Jesus Christ, there should be no part of our life where Jesus is not the Lord of our life. And that word integration really is to this idea of integer or one hmm. or integrity or mm -hmm. wholeness. And so if we are starting to 
think about intentionally what does this look like in the workplace that's a great first step but i think that definitely falls far short of what i would love to be able to expand on a little bit mark if i could about really what does this fullness look like that we really i think the world is ready for i i am really intrigued by this so not really integration but wholeness uh, I, a growing up into something more than what the individual ingredients would be all by themselves laid side by side. Right. That's right. what I'm trying to do. Okay. So if we're moving into uh, wholeness and away from compartments, what more would you add? How, how, how does that take shape? What does, what does that look like? How, some, how does someone get there? Okay. Yeah. So two, three things I would say about that. Um, the first one is scripture says that we're to have the mind of Christ. And if we have the mind of Christ, that means we are, I think, and the way I look at it and teach my students and my children is that we are looking at situations. We're not getting caught in the midst of the only in the what's going on with the activities, but we're looking at it from the heavenly perspective. What is God's agenda? Is he working out in the midst of this? What, what are we doing? How do I have the mind of Christ in this situation? And that's something that would permeate everything we do. Second thing is, is about having just a greater awareness. And this this idea this compartmentalization of this greater awareness of totality of calling or our spheres of influence and that um, calling is a place that we are is something where we're called to show up, have a voice, have an influence. You could have a calling as a parent, as a as a, a business leader, as a church leader, as you know, the soccer coach, all of those things. And then how do you have the mind of Christ and have the full integration of faith work in your life to show up in that moment? Well, sure, it's of course, well, you know, I'm representing Jesus out here, so I got to be careful, you know, with my anger. That's true. But when you're out there, what does that look like when the, you see a, you're the soccer coach and you see the kids out there and you know that one of the kids is struggling? What about having the mind of Christ and, and having that full life integration? What if we were to stand on the sidelines if you're the soccer coach and start to intercede for that kid? Lord, I can see that they're starting to struggle. God, I just, Lord, strengthen them. Give them peace, Lord. Bring somebody alongside. Bring someone else to encourage them. And it's not just, Lord, help us win this game, but God, help us to these kids to really just see that you love them, that we can, how do we work together? How do we bring unity and, 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 and wholeness in this team? So sure, we want to win the soccer game, of course. But the third thing that I would say is, so we've got this totality of calling. So that your work in the marketplace is not any more or less than your work in the home. And the person that gets the paycheck, their contribution to the world or the family isn't any more or less better than the parent that stays home with the kids. They're each doing their part to manage their part of creation. God calls us to be fruitful and multiply and uh, they're in Genesis 1. But the third thing that I would say is, Mark, I'd love to be able to expand for just a minute, is when we look at the full fullness of the Christian uh, life, or the Christian calling, and I think you've heard me say this, is that Jesus, in, in 1 John 3, 8, he wrote, the Apostle John wrote, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. 
and John 10.10 is that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so really we're in this battleground here on this globe called planet Earth that we are either or there are either kingdom values or there are uh, dark values of the kingdom of darkness. And when Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, it wasn't only in the things we do in the local church, but the works of the devil are conflict, dissension, disloyalty, anger, hatred, depression, uh, dishonesty, all of those things which can show up in business. And so as a business leader, if we're doing business redemptively and pushing back on the things that, that are um, on the kingdom of darkness, when we're, we're being honest in a transaction, even sometimes it means we lose the deal, but we have pushed back on the kingdom of darkness and that we are being redemptive, um, regarding, regardless of the sphere of influence. So when we talk about that integration, it's about what does that look like? And then the last two things I would say about that is that when Jesus prayed with the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Too often we just sit back and we just say, okay, God, take care of it. Or we just make it, think it's a spiritual thing or that sounds like a good liturgy, but how does that actually happen, right? Psalms 8, 6, it says, you know, it says the psalmist wrote, you made them rulers of the works of your hands, meaning us as people. And so we are called to both affect the spiritual realm with our prayers and the, and the essence of the Holy Spirit. And the closer we abide to Jesus, the closer we, we, we sit to, at, the, at his feet and hear the heartbeat, our heartbeats to God's heartbeat. If our desires are his desires, more naturally the presence of the Holy Spirit will flow from us. We'll more have the mind of Christ. We'll be able to push back on the works of the devil to bring redemption wherever it is in whatever sphere of calling that it is. And for me, that's what faith at work integration is, that when you get up in the morning and you say, Jesus, I'm alive, what's the assignment? How, how what do you have for me? And each, each moment is, uh, is about bringing your kingdom come, your will be done. There's a practicality in what I hear you describing. And so if we talk about it just theologically, or just theoretically, you end up affirming a certain set of principles. I believe these things, but you keep going to, but if you're going to actually put it into action, if you're actually going to do it, what does that look like? And I heard you not uh, going beyond just, well, this is how you bring these things together and to under a, you use the phrase totality of calling. There's also some discarding that's going on. There's some rotten attitudes. There's some uh, distractions. There's there's things that you literally jettison as right. you as you do this. And I, I find that unique, Helen, because so often it is. Well, here's all these things you could do. Now you got to find a way to balance it with time and money and and all of that. But you put this into a very spiritual place. Can I ask you how you came to that understanding? Because it it just sounds really unique to me and all the other stuff that I, I hear folks talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, great question. And Mark, I can't honestly tell you that it was uh, one experience or one flashpoint, okay. but sure. I will tell you that it was a, a period over many years where uh, 
I started to walk this out. God started to reveal things to me uh, in scripture, in my quiet time with him. I, when I lost my job on November 20th of 2003, I say that's where I started into the wilderness. And so, you know, okay. you do the math, 2003, that's, uh, what do we that's 17 years, my math right? <laughs> Wilderness experiences tend to not uh, just have a straight line. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so it was been a, it's been a long time since I stepped out of uh, out of the marketplace. And in in that season of time, uh, God did a lot in and through me. Now you have to remember in 2003 when this you know God started to begin to seed my heart and mind in, in this. There was no books, blogs, conferences, podcasts like we're having now. There was none of this stuff out there on the market, and it was me just you know I have my little Where's Waldo journal, and I've got my journal where I would be like, okay, I've heard God say this, I have no idea what that is, and put pieces together. And I over time I could start to see these things. It's like that idea of progressive revelation. But I will also tell you that um, through great tragedy and difficulty, when I lost my husband, um, it really, really kind of caused me to think about things even more deeply. But this is something that um, uh, I've just uncovered, I guess, or the Lord has shown me over 17 years and have uh, just great privilege of not only being able to walk it out with my kids, but also with my undergraduate, my MBA students. And if I could just leave you with just this um, one quote, one of, this, one of the students, we're just finishing up uh, seven weeks of MBA organizational ethics. And in one of the discussion posts, the student says so astutely, this is a mic drop moment. And he wrote, Christians do very well in stating how the world is in trouble and we are sinful. We need to go beyond that. When there is an issue in the governing policies and leadership, many Christians choose to keep silent and wait for God to act. How can God act if his children are inactive in politics and law? Wow. Mm -hmm. Back to that idea that we're just going to sit back and, you know, we're to be passive. I mean, we're not to just sit back and wait till things happen. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That means we need to get out there. We need to pray, take authority into the spiritual realm. We need to constantly be thinking and praying, having the mind of Christ, walking with the presence of the spirit. And it just overflows. It's not a predictive thing. It is an amazing ride. But in the very essence of what we do, even as simple as delivering the mail, is part of God's and doing it well is part of God's redemption. And people, even today, uh, more and more are losing faith in institutions, government, Christians, uh, businesses, social media, all of that. And I'll just end this question, Mark, to say, my students, my undergraduate students, they're about ready to graduate. They look at the world around them. And they've lived through more school shootings and threats of war and just living in a much different environment. And what I tell those students is this, as they're about ready to graduate at the age of 22. And I think at whatever age you and I are, I, this replies, Acts 17, 26, 27 says that God determines the times and the seasons we shall live or die. So right now, 
in our age or stage is where God has called us to have the greatest impact. And we can do that through our work and through our life. But the question is, are we aware? Do we understand? And are we walking as an outflow of the Holy Spirit? Wow. Um, you and I share an experience of uh, losing a spouse and the suffering that goes with that and how it strips things back down to the studs on the walls. And uh, yeah. then you build your life back from that. And um, there are some really powerful lessons that we can take where we're saying, gosh, I wish I'd known that all along. Life would have been better if we'd done that. It, you know, it, life is purer and cleaner and more distilled. Uh, and those are lessons we can learn without having to have a tragedy associated with it. We can build mm -hmm. those in. And so let's say I am a business owner and I am mm -hmm. heartwarmed by this. I'm encouraged by what you're sharing and thinking, I, I want a culture where people aren't switching things on and off and the pretense is gone and they're, they're um, living into their best selves in a natural way. It's not just, you know, get out the pom-poms and cheer our way through the company corporate cheerleading session, but let's really have authentic lives going forward. So very practically speaking, where you've been in this conversation, if I'm a business owner and I say, how can my workplace culture start to have or reflect more of this healthy integration? What are a couple of get started things that you would point me towards? Yeah, so um, that's, uh, that's definitely very practical. So the first thing we were talking about is just really having the mindset and the understanding of the fullness that regardless of the organization that someone's leading, whether it be a business, whether it be a church, whether it be a nonprofit, whatever, whatever it is, or where they're not leading uh, an organization, maybe they're working in an organization. But as a leader, it's the first to understand that, um, that what you are doing, the very essence of that work is part of your service to Christ. And, um, and it is contributing. Uh, so so that's the first Can I interrupt you? Just say, we're not talking about adding something onto what you're already doing. We're talking Correct. about an orienting point, what it is you choose to stand on. Okay. Correct. Thanks. All and, right. to, and to just, just to kind of go, well, you know, this is a good thing to do in the world. So first it's, it's that idea. Second thing is, is to understand just when we're talking about this fullness of calling, not only for the leader, him and her, or herself, but also for their employees. Okay, so um, so one of the things that we have seen in spades during this time of the pandemic, where people have been isolated from other people and things that nourish their soul, right? So we're body, soul, and spirit, and that soul in scripture means mind, will, and emotions, and we're made for community. And so, and part of that is we're made for adventure, we're made for fun, we're made for being in the outdoors and hiking and bike riding and going out to dinner with friends and enjoying good food and music and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So when, and that community has been shrunk or cut down or we've been isolated, um, it is, you know, there've been significant, there's lots of studies are showing how that's significantly impacting people's mental health. But when we look at this idea of fullness of calling, not only for the leader, him and herself that can model it, but also to, to implement it in their organization and to help hold other people accountable. And let me explain that real quick. And then I've got a couple more points to your question is this, is that 
um, parenting tends to fall default for the most part in a dual income household somehow to the woman tends to be the one who leaves work early to go pick up the kids, whatever, you know, the majority of the household and the parenting role turns to women. It's another conversation for uh, another time, but that women have, we look back in Genesis, God made Adam and Eve both in the image of Christ. Both are very different. So if we're looking at having the fullness of what an organization can contribute and what employees can contribute, and we're looking at the fullness of calling, then why are we not encouraging our male employees to, when they stand before Jesus, and when you as a leader stand before Jesus, he can say, good job in helping him, giving him permission and modeling for him and encouraging him to be the father and the husband that I've called him to be. Because, you know, society and culture, and he's just not really sure. And we've got these cultural patterns and behaviors, et cetera, et cetera. But then also at the same time for women, whether they be single, especially for single women, not that they should have a pass, but gosh, well, you know, let's make, let's make sure that the work shift is going to work for her, that her kids mm-hmm. are not going to be left alone. Could right. we make a slight shift that says, okay, bring other people into the conversation? How do we do this so that all the business is cared for, the people are called for, cared for, people are treated with equity and are treated fairly but at the same point this woman for this period of time is either the primary sole or predominant parent in the household during very formative years of their children so how do we as a business start to think about this fullness of calling and support that how do we then also not make her or him single parents feel like that they have to sacrifice something in order to be a parent or why should we choose those kind of not only inherent values in an organization but spoken modeled discussed put out on the table need to be part of the conversation when we look about the fullness of life it is not okay when we stand before jesus it is not going to be okay to say well yeah you know you ran a good business but you know what we lost an entire generation because we were absent in parenting i guess what i'm pretty sure the enemy's pretty happy to be a part of parenting that generation the next thing that i would say when you're talking about practicality of how you put this in is Uh, The idea of corporate social responsibility. Who are your stakeholders, right? What is your business for? Dallas Willard says business is to serve, not to self-serve or to take, but but business is to serve and to contribute to the community, which lines up with this idea of theology of work. Your stakeholders, you have your employees, you have your shareholders, you have your customers, you have the environment, you have your community. Who are your stakeholders? What does that look like in terms of how you show up? How do you add and and contribute to all of these stakeholders, even just to contribute before you even share the gospel? What does your stakeholder plan look like? The fourth thing that I would say is what about social justice? I tell my undergraduate students, there's a couple of themes that I have throughout the entire 14 week semester. And that is um, that we're, all made in the image of God, regardless of your ethnicity, your culture, your gender, your economic status, the car you drive, the house you live in, you all have value and made in the image of God. There are no throwaway people. But that does not excuse people for 
things that they may or may not do. But I assure these students throughout the entire 14 weeks that they're all equally made in the image of God. In Revelation 7:14, that says that there's going to be every, trung, tr every tribe, every tongue that's going to be worshiping at the foot of the throne. So if ethnicity and culture matter for eternity, it should matter now. So what are we doing in organizations to cultivate that? Not just gender, uh, you know, diversity, but what are we doing to cultivate and to bring in other types of uh, um, diversity? What are we doing with our resources, with our influence, being able to help community laws with churches to money, to donations, uh, communities that are uh, impoverished? Or, you know, I tell my students, I do not believe that God looked down and said, you know what, this group of people right here, I'm just going to pass over them. They're not going to be CEOs or business leaders. I'm going to relegate them to blue collar work. Or these people aren't going to have the technology that they need. There are kids who do not have access to the computer and the technology and the things that they need to find the fullness of their calling. And if I could just permit, permit me for just a minute, Mark, I, I, I felt this one, this one really came home to me and I really understood this and I share this with my students in the context of this conversation. When my husband died and my, I was widowed, my children were 10 and 14, the, we felt like throwaway. My kids, other people treated them like throwaway because a tragedy had come rolling into our lives and it decimated us, decimated us financially and relationally and all of those things, um, losing our home and all that had transpired. And when it was time to go to college and so forth, it was like, well, just go to a community college. Well, just whatever, just start working. I'm like, that's the answer. So are you telling me that, that, that the calling that God determined and, you know, God's gifts and calling are irrevocable. And so that calling and those plans that he had for them on their life before they were born suddenly don't matter. That the gifts and the calling that God has on those, those children who don't have access to technology, that suddenly that doesn't matter because of their economic status. And I'm sorry, but that's, that's wrong. That's not right. Now, I've seen God come in and provide and take care of my kids, but um, that, uh, that's another way that how do we as, as a business, what about you've got employees in your own organization, right? How can you help them? Then the last two things I would say very quickly is, it's a long answer to your question. Last two things I would say very uh, quickly is um, understanding that uh, how, how to really uh, navigate ethical dilemmas. An ethical dilemma is when you have two competing values or interests that are at each other. And uh, if we had time to unpack that, you'd realize that, that those exist and abound far more than we might think. And as we start to be able to think ethically and with, with good critical thinking with the mind of Christ, we'll be able to stand back and to be able to navigate and to lead and to lead others. And then the last thing that I would say, and I would leave it here when you're talking about how do I practically do, we cannot give out that which we don't have. Jesus said, abide in me. And Jesus said, abide in me and you, you know, produce, you produce fruit without me, you can do nothing. Now that nothing is not nothing that I can't do anything. I can do a lot of things on my own power. But if I'm not abiding in Jesus and doing the things 
that I've been called to do that Jesus is a part of, those are just empty works on my own. And I'll end up in heaven without anything to show for it. And so when Jesus says, abide in me, and you'll be able to be productive and fruitful, he's talking about making an impact that will last for eternity. And when we are working with, partnering with Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, I tell my students, it's like, it's like going outside on a windy day, taking a feather pillow and a knife and cutting that pillow open and letting those feathers go everywhere. And one day when we stand before Jesus, we'll see what that impact is. We just need to do the thing that we're called to do and let the Holy Spirit carry the feathers that emanate from our life and what we're called to show up to do at work today and at home today. You know, right as we close this, right back at a spot that we were talking about a few minutes ago where this jettisoning of things we don't need that distract is also matched with picking up the things and it's not a heavy burden, right? It's a, a yoke that right. is easy yeah. to, to pick up that thing that we should be about. So I'm struck. My takeaway from this conversation, Helen, is that life is going to be a lot of hard work. So I could choose the hard work of trying to do everything, of trying to be omnicompetent and omnipresent, starting to sound like I'm describing God, right? Like I'm supposed to be God. I have to have everything. I have to do everything. I have to be perfect. So, oh, I better pick up work, life, faith, integration also on top of doing everything else. That's not what it is. It's, it's much more the hard work of focusing, uh, having margin, being able to do the best things, which means there's good things I'm not going to do in order to do those best things. And I can then better discern and see God's call. And then I can't give, we both know Harris Wheeler, who would say we can't give God the Heisman on this stuff. That's what his expression is. Can't, can't give God the Heisman on this. We'd have to um, admit, God says, I care about everybody. I love everybody. I, I've made everybody that know happiness and health and justice and dignity and peace. Uh, th this is a rich uh, insight, and it's, that's the big takeaway I'm, I'm going to walk away with from what we've talked about today. Is there any last word that you put in here before we sign off from this, this podcast? Yeah, so what a pleasure and an honor it has been to not only be on this podcast, to, but also to work with you in the Convene community and see the difference that it's making uh, in the lives of, of many people and in the communities. I think the last thing that I would say is that when you saddle up to partner with Jesus, it is, it is an amazing ride. And it is full of joy and excitement and adventure and uh, we don't have to carry it all on our own shoulders and that's one of the things the Lord showed me very clearly as, uh, it, as I entered this wilderness period many years ago. That the thing that distinguishes Christians and followers of Jesus Christ from anyone else in the world is the Holy Spirit. Mm. And the Holy Spirit not only brings wisdom but also power and revelation and insight. Yeah. 
God Thank wants you. you to succeed more than you want to succeed. Yeah, that's great. Helen, thank you very, very much. Uh, everyone, you've been watching and you've gained from this as, as, uh, as have I, as uh, Helen Mitchell and I have had a chance to have this conversation. We're going to have her contact information up here at the end. And if there's further conversation you'd like to know a bit more, um, you can reach out to her and she'll be glad to respond. So thank you for watching this. Helen, thank you for joining thank me. Thank you. And yeah. Farewell for now. Thank you very much.